Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. Matthew chapter 21. Let's kick off Holy Week and then we'll see how this goes. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now I want to pause right there. That would be the equivalent today of me saying, hey, I want you to go out right now. Mike, I'm going to have you leave church service right now. And I want you to go out and I want you to go into the city of San Luis Obispo. And I want you to find me the best car that you could possibly find. I want you to steal it. And if anybody asks you why, just tell them that a pastor down the street needs it. (laughs) Think about what Jesus is asking these disciples to do. He's not even asking for permission. He's like, matter of fact, when you find the donkey or the colt, just tell the person, I'm taking this. Man, Jesus is a cool dude, man. I kind of like him. And, and Mike, if you want to take care of that, that's on you, not on me, but I will drive it. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Watch here. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. This is Jesus. He's prophesying lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I'm going to make sense of that in a little bit. Verse 6, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. Very significant right there. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees. Some translations will say palm trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, to the son of David. That word Hosanna is a very key word. We'll break that down. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And again, they say Hosanna in the highest. And then it says in verse 10, and I'll try not to make a mess of myself today. But it says, when he came into Jerusalem, all of the city was moved saying, who is this? Who is this? Man, I told myself I wasn't going to cry today. It's kind of hard not to think that Jesus himself would put himself in a place where he would be crucified and killed. And he went into Jerusalem. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we just kind of go through words, right? But when you understand that Jesus said, I'm going into Jerusalem, I'll break it down later. Try not to do it now because then we'll have nothing else to talk about. (laughs) It says, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, I love this. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Today, if you're taking notes, I'd like to speak to you from the subject of steadfast and true. Steadfast. Everyone say steadfast. Everyone say true. Jesus was both. He was both steadfast and he was true. Let's pray. Father, help In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, look at your neighbor and just tell them, tell that crybaby of a pastor to stop crying. (laughs) Let me just set the the theme of today's message. And Omar, thank you so much. Much more anointed when a piano plays behind me when you read the scripture. It kind of creates a moment. 
Let me just um, set the stage for the message here today. So as we, we kind of talked about, we're entering in today into what's known as Holy Week or for other people it would be known as, as Passion Week. It's the week where we begin to see that Jesus is, of course, entering into Jerusalem and he's getting ready to pay a price for you and I even thousands of years later. He's beginning to start the process of giving himself over to a government who would eventually kill him on behalf of us. So Jesus, at the very beginning, is starting this whole process. And so as we were talking about this idea of beginning Holy Week, we started to understand that as we approach this week, I didn't want it to be something that we just talk about on Sunday, that we get our mind fixed around, but that it would actually be something that as you begin to navigate through this week, that you would find a way, and for some of you, this is really great news, that you would find a way to actually slow down. Does that sound good to anybody else but me? No, you're quiet. Okay, let me, if you're new with us here today, if you get quiet, I get awkward and I do crazy things, okay? So if you want to see that, stay quiet. Uh, but if you want to know the Bible, definitely interact. I go, does it feel good if somebody said to you today, matter of fact, this week, I want you to slow your life down just a tad? Would some of you be very excited to take some things off of your calendar so you could just sit and be? Okay, good. Some of you are very good nodders. I like that. Amen. Good to that. So here's the idea. What if this week, as we begin to kick off this idea of Holy Week, that you would actually make a decision or a choice inside of your mind and your heart to really, really slow down and think about what it would have been like if you were there the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem? If you were there for the Passover celebration, which is the reason that Jesus was going there, that you would actually partake in all of the things that were taking place. This Passover celebration, the celebration of when God literally took his children and set them free. Jesus is going to Jerusalem knowing that he's going to pay a price. And sometimes in our lives, when we look at the price that was paid, we just look to Easter and we celebrate he's risen, he's risen indeed. But we don't back up into the story and really understand what Jesus was doing. The goal of this morning, of course, it's going to be completely different from any other way that I normally teach. Because I'm always answering two questions. What do we need to know? And what do we need to do? And a lot of breakdowns. My goal today in this time is that we would put ourselves in the story. And then as you navigate through this week, matter of fact, at the end of service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pull your phones out. You're going to text a number, and we're actually going to help you every single day this week through the reading of Scripture, through worship songs, and through different types of avenues to help you understand Holy Week, but really, really experience it in a powerful way because I believe this to be true. If you can put in the work this week and walk through this Passion Week or this Holy Week, by the time you get to Sunday, you're going to be banging on our door at 6 a.m. in the morning to get inside of church to celebrate what Jesus has done. Have you ever had to do something that took you a very long time knowing that there was a reward at the end? You ever had to do that before? Remember how good that reward felt? That's what I want to happen in our lives this week. I want us to put ourselves in the story, walk through it, and get to Sunday and turn this place completely upside down. I don't want you just dressing nice next week. I want you dressing nice, of course, because I know mama's got to get her pictures on Easter Sunday. I get all that stuff. But I want to come here next week with such an anticipation in our hearts that we cannot wait to celebrate. Does that sound good? All right, so I'm going to lay some stuff out. You guys good with that? 
All right, cool. You guys are getting there a little bit. Let's get straight to it. Number one, what is Jesus doing? Number one, Jesus is making a declaration. When you look at the story of Palm Sunday, when we see Jesus coming in, Jesus is doing this. He's making a declaration. Now, the passage that we read today is such a remarkable passage of Scripture when we understand everything that's taken place. If you think about it, Jesus himself, he could have established his kingdom right then and there, and hundreds, if not thousands of them, many of them that are there because of the Passover, would have flocked to preside and tell him that, hey, this guy right here has got to be the king. Because if you remember the story, a lot of people, even though we know he was the Messiah, a lot of people back in that day said, no, we still don't think this guy's it. So if Jesus wanted to establish his kingdom, I am the king that they have talked about, that they have prophesied about. If you think about it, before he goes to the cross, right here going into Jerusalem would be the very best time for him to let everyone know, I am he. And of course, we know he did that during ministry, but they still, they did not believe. But if you think about what's going on, everyone's there. It's like going to the rodeo in San Luis Obispo. Everyone's there. Even people from Oregon come. Why? I'm just, I'm just making stuff up because we have people here today. Think about this. I mean, they had heard about his ministry, right? Let's talk about Jesus and his ministry up until this point. He's healed people. All throughout the scripture, if you go to the book of John, seven different healings that he does. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see plenty more. He's raised lives from the dead. One of them was a little girl. Lazarus was one of his greatest friends. He set people free from demonic bondage. Think about the stories and all the things he did. He's feeding the multitudes, thousands upon thousands of people with two fish and five loaves. Which, by the way, because of inflation, you might need a miracle in the days ahead. Just a little joke for you there. I'll cross that out of my notes if it wasn't that good. Think about this. They had saw teaching like never before. Remember what they said? Who is this guy who teaches and preaches with such authority? They had never seen anything like Jesus. So if you're thinking about this moment, Jesus could have established his kingdom right then and there. He could have done it, but he doesn't. So they're coming into the Passover holiday where they celebrate God's deliverance from the, the oppression of Egypt. And now, if you think about it, they are more than ready to, to experience deliverance from Rome's oppression. If you remember, they're under some pretty heavy things. So the stage is completely set. Jesus is there. As far as we know in Scripture, we don't ever see Jesus riding on a donkey. Have you ever thought about that? Never did. Everywhere Jesus went... Jesus, he walked with his disciples. So think about what they might have been thinking about when Jesus looks at them and says, hey, look, go get me a donkey or a colt. Go get it. Bring it back here. I'm going into Jerusalem a much different way than you're used to seeing. Think about this. In Scripture, the only ones who would ride a donkey, if, if it was a king getting established, an inauguration. You want to know what the kings rode? A donkey. Only kings did that. So what is Jesus saying before the people see it? What's he saying to his disciples? What he's saying to his disciples is, you're getting ready to see a side of me you've never seen before. 
Some translations, matter of fact, if you go back and read it, it begins to talk about a donkey, but then also a colt. But, but think about this. If you were to ride on a horse, this is a perfect day for this illustration right here. If you were to ride on a horse, would you agree that a horse is taller than a donkey? When Jesus comes back, Again, and he's coming soon. We all know that to be true. We're one day closer. We don't know exactly when. The disciples don't know when. If you think you know when, you don't know when because even Jesus said it's not for you to know. Jesus is coming again soon. He's coming next week. If, listen, if somebody says that to you, tell them to read their Bible. No one knows that. But think about it. The Bible says he's coming back on a horse. And what's coming with it? Judgment. Now, when we hear that, we think, oh, man, here goes that mean God again. No, no, no. No, God in his grace, even through the story of Easter, shows that he is a God of grace because of Jesus. When Jesus comes back, of course, there's going to be judgment. But this time, he's riding on a donkey. He's coming in peace. Think of that. In a world where they probably deserved it, Jesus said, no, 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 grace and peace, I'm coming to you, riding much lower on a donkey. Jesus was always very good about saying and establishing that his goal was to come and to serve. He was humble. He was lowly. So we, we read this story and, and Jesus is saying, look, I'm getting ready to make a declaration. Again, he tells the disciples, look, go and, and get this. So all of a sudden the disciples, they're looking across the valley at the shining city of Jerusalem and they're watching Jesus climb on a donkey, and it begins to dawn on them. Jesus is now accepting his place as king. Think about what the disciples would have thought about. They longed for this, but they wondered would it ever happen. This was the moment that the disciples even wanted to see because they've known Jesus intimately for three and a half years. They know he's the son of God. They know he's powerful. And all of a sudden, they got it, they're getting excited Maybe not Judas, because we know what Judas is getting ready to do. But they're excited about this deal. So they drape their cloaks over the donkey to make it more comfortable for Jesus, more presentable for a king. That's what they would do in that day. They would get that donkey, and they would get nice linen, and they'd pop it on there so that person could sit up there and be comfortable. Apparently, it's not very comfortable to ride on a donkey. Apparently. So for in that day, think about this. Kings, they pay homage and they put down carpets on the ground. The Bible says that the people begin to, to spread their clothes. Think about this for a moment. This is a remarkable. Get the illustration in your mind. My goal today is not to be the greatest preacher. My goal is to get you to put yourself in this moment of what's actually taking place. They are so mesmerized that Jesus, the King, the Messiah, is coming through that they're grabbing their cloaks and they're throwing them on the ground. And then it says they started grabbing branches. Some translation would say palm branches. If you've been raised in church, you know what Palm Sunday normally is. Kids ministry, they come in with their little palms and they wave them all around. And we think it's just like a part of a tree. We think it was convenient that the people just looked around like, oh, cool, there's a palm tree. Let's go rip those off. How would you like to be the landowner there? <laughs> Messing with my palm trees. You know, they didn't grab the palm trees that day because it was convenient. No, no, no. You know what the palm represents? I don't know if you, if you know this. You will by today. You say, what did I learn in church today? You learned this. A palm branch was a sign of victory. 
So now think about this. They know this to be true. So they're going over to these trees and these palms and they're pulling them down as a way of saying victory is actually coming into Jerusalem by the way of Jesus. This is a celebration. Listen, I love football. Anybody love football? Show of hands. Love football? Yeah, okay, some of you. The rest of you get saved. Like, what's wrong with you? It's America's sport. Anyways, moving on. And not football. It's not the thing you kick around. That's cardio. Anybody could run around. Anyways, they grab these palms and they place them down. It's fascinating to me. What were they saying? Think about this. They're under the oppression of Rome. Have we forgotten that? What they're saying is victory has come. The crowds begin to shout Hosanna to the son of David. You know what that word Hosanna means? It literally means save now. See, sometimes it's easy just to read scripture and to pass over and not dig down deep into it. So now they're waving branches. They're putting them down. What are the people saying? They're saying save us. Why? Because some of them believed that he was Jesus, the Messiah, the one who was prophesied about. Others, not so much. So we see that this is actually fulfilling the prophecy found in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Look at these words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, notice here, to you. He's not waiting for you to come. Our king, Jesus, is actually coming to us. Think about your life when you were dead in your sin and you were messed up. And here I go again. You were tore up from the floor up. White boys shouldn't rap. God didn't sit up in heaven and say, all right, you start working your way up to me. Oh, you really love me. Prove it. Any other religion in the world, let me just put it to you simply. With exception of Christianity, he says, you work your way to get into a good standing with the God. God says, no, I will actually come to you by way of my son. You just stay there. I'll send him. He'll live a life. He will heal. He will set free. He will deliver. I'm coming to you because I'm a God. I'm a God who comes to you. That to me, because I know me. Do you know you? Now, I'm a mess. Are you a mess? Man, sometimes I'm up one day, I'm down the next. Some days I'm all about God and some days I'm all about me. Some of you are looking at me crazy. I'm looking back at you crazy. Because <laughs> one day, man, it's all about Jesus. And the next day, nope, it's all about, and you can fill in the blank. Yet God, let's just go back to the Bible. Knowing we would sin again, still yet sinners, Christ came. Meaning that he knew you would mess up. He knew that you would confess your life to him and blow it. And he still says, I still come to you. But, but God, but I'm not perfect. No problem. Still coming to you. But God, I'm going to promise you things. I'm going to say things. And God, I'm not going to come through. No problem. Still coming to you. See, some of us, we have this picture of God that he is mad, he's upset, and he's distant. He is a God who is actually near if you let him come. You've heard me say this before. You could have as much of God or as little of God as you choose to have. 
The Bible says in the book of James, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So I can have as much of God as I want. So even in this prophecy, it says, look, the king is coming to you. And watch here. He is just. Oh, that's good. And having salvation. Oh, that's even better. And notice, this was prophesied. This is Old Testament. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Palm Sunday is a celebration of Jesus declaring himself as king. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's better than lying, right? We have a thing in our household. Anytime like one of our boys say that, we're like, no, just go ahead and lie. It's like, well, to be honest with you, no, I prefer just lie. Don't do that. It's just a thing in our house. Okay, we don't want anybody to lie. Here's what's very hard about preachers. And today, I guess I'm a preacher up here about Palm Sunday. It's really hard to preach on this. You want to know why it's hard? Not because of the crowd. You guys are great, by the way. And you look really nice. It's because I know what's coming on Friday. It's hard to preach on Palm Sunday and celebrate Jesus the King coming into Jerusalem because days later, they're going to kill him. And the weight of that and teaching on that is like, man, I wonder in my life if I've ever done the same. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm all about you. And then if I'm not careful, my life dictates something completely different. I think the call for Palm Sunday, matter of fact, the call for every day is, listen, are you about this or are you not? I'm going to put my coaching ad on here for a moment, okay? Do you want to be a Christ follower or do you not? Pick. Just choose. Stop wavering. See, what happens is, is when we challenge people nowadays and we begin to do that, people say, oh, no, you can't do that no more. I disagree. I would ask you, are you in or are you out? Because a lot of people over the course of this next week, and especially on Sunday, are going to sit in churches all across America, all around the world for that matter. And it's going to be the day that we say, yes, he's risen. But nothing is risen in here. Nothing's changed. Jesus, man, I'm, I'm either Lord of everything. This is what Jesus would say if he was here today. Lord of it all. Or... I'm not Lord at all. Because Jesus doesn't just want a part of you. He doesn't want just your Sundays. He doesn't want just your Easter Sundays. He wants every living moment that you have dedicated to who he is. Why? Because he wants to own you and lord you around? No, because he loves you. And when you're in a relationship with someone that you love, you want to spend time with them. You want to know that they care about you, that they have your back. So Jesus would say, look, don't be lukewarm. Now we're going to the book of Revelation. He said, I prefer you be either hot or you be cold. But because you're lukewarm, he's speaking to the church. I spew you from my mouth. It's disgusting. Now God's not disgusted with us. It's just disgusting to him. Why? Because he's so zealous for you and I. You might have heard me say this before. The definition for lukewarm is, I still believe in you, God. I'm just not excited about you anymore. 
I still believe in you. I, I know there's a God. I know he's, he's got his word. It's the Bible. And there's this thing called the church. And we, we graft ourselves in community. And we do Bible studies together. And we eat meals together, which I really love that part, by the way. And we, we do all this great stuff and fun. It's like, yeah, I know those are there. But man, I'm just, ah, I'm just not excited about the things of the Lord anymore. Friends, can I tell you with all the love I have, that's a scary place to be. And listen to me, I did not come with any intention today to cast judgment on any person in this room. No, 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 no. I'm pointing the finger at myself because I could get there too. Jesus is coming in and he's saying, am I king or am I not? But he's making a declaration that day. But Friday's coming. We know that the crowd, they're fickle. When Jesus reveals that he hasn't come to bring a military solution to their political oppression, but rather a spiritual solution for a much larger problem known as sin, the crowd begins to change their tone. We know that as Jesus comes in, they're shouting, Hosanna, save us now. But in a few short days, what used to be Hosanna now turns into crucify him. Who is this guy? kill him. And the most amazing thing to me is that on Palm Sunday, Jesus knows it's going to turn into Good Friday. Yet he turns, some translations in your Bible say he turns his face to Jerusalem. One translation says he looks steadfast towards Jerusalem, which leads me to point number two is Jesus knows what's about to take place. He's making a declaration, I'm coming in. But he also knows, look, here's the deal. I know it's gonna take place. Now listen, he could have saved himself, if you think about it, by just not going to Jerusalem. Remember, he came from Galilee. Let's think about Galilee for a moment here, okay? Let's become Bible nerds, for lack of better terms, and go back to Galilee and think about all the things that took place in Galilee. Think about this. Everything's going good. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons recorded of all time. Things are good. He feeds the multitude with loaves and fish. Happens in Galilee. He walked on water. Happened in Galilee. Galilee's good. Galilee's beautiful. In Galilee, you don't have to die. But in Jerusalem, he's going to pay a price. So he could have stayed in Galilee, never gone to Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem was about one thing, sacrifice. That's what it's known for. And yet it says, nope, I'm going to Jerusalem. I want to read a quote to you by the incredible philosophers. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, but it's Linus and Charlie Brown. Linus once said to Charlie Brown, he says, I don't like to face problems, especially head on. I think the best way to solve problems is to avoid them. This is a distinct philosophy of mine, Linus says. No problem is so big or so complicated that it can't be run away from. Which then Charlie Brown begins to ask, but Linus, what if everyone in the whole world suddenly decided to run away from their problems? To which Linus answered, said, well, at least we'd all be running in the right direction together. I'm going to let that settle for a moment. 
In other words, we'd all be running from our problems in the wrong direction. Aren't you glad that when Jesus saw a problem, he didn't run away from it. He ran to it. The problem was sin. And it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Jesus is coming to bring solution to a problem. And I know like many of us in this room, I I guarantee you I can say that. You're very thankful that he did. That was a really good place to say amen or something. Or maybe you're just pondering it deep. I get that too. Sometimes when we look at this progression of Holy Week, it hits us really heavy. In our household every single year, since the boys have gotten to the place where they could understand, when we get to Good Friday, we um, do a service, which we'll be doing this, this Friday over at Agape Church with churches and pastors all across the city. But then we sit down and we watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And um, luckily the house is already dark because it's later on in the night, but we let our boys sit there and watch, in my opinion, probably the best movie that could somewhat depict what really happened, but not fully, by the way. The Bible says that when they beat Jesus, he was beaten to a place where he was completely unrecognizable. You didn't even know it was him. And I can remember when we were watching the movie, MJ, as he was getting a little bit older, I could tell he was kind of questioning what was taking place. Because he knew of Jesus, but that side of Jesus in a way that Jesus gave himself over to be beaten in a way for you and I. And I can remember as parents, I can just remember watching MJ, and you can just see the light switch go off where he understood that that was a big price to pay, huh, Dad? And then as Jacob got older, my little fireball is what I call him, it took him a little while because it's hard to get him to sit still for more than five minutes at a time. But I could remember when the light bulb went off on him, and he has got such a, um, such a tender heart. And there'd be times where I'd be sitting there watching this movie, and I would weep. I remember when I first saw the movie, our, the church I was at in Roseville, California, the whole staff went and saw it in the theater. It's one of the quietest movie showings I'd ever been a part of. I could remember when the movie was over, no one got up. We just sat there, hidden with the weight and the heaviness of Jesus. When's the last time you just sat in quiet and thought about the price that he paid? When's the last time you just dealt with the heaviness of it? We don't teach that nowadays because we got to get our joy. I'm all, I'm all for that. But think about this. And I'm not trying to be extreme. If you were to breathe your last breath today and not know Jesus as Lord and as Savior, where would you spend eternity? The answer, according to the scriptures, 
is hell. See, you can't preach about heaven if you're not willing to preach about hell. The problem is, is we see people preach about hell on TV, and it looks like they just came back from there, right? And they're screaming at us, and they're yelling, and they're pointing fingers in our faces, and they're telling us we're... If you ever watch that, just turn the TV off. It's silly. But it's a reality. So now think about that heaviness, that because of what Jesus did on a cross, but everything even before it, the beatings that he took, the scourgings, the mark, all of it was so that one day when you and I breathe our last breath on this earth and that day is coming for all. The Bible says it is, it, it is appointed to man to once die and then judgment. We will all die. We all know that to be true. But because of what Jesus did, there's a place called heaven that we get to call home. But sometimes you have to deal with the heaviness. Sounds really crazy for me to say this, but I actually, all week long, I want you to find comfort and joy in what Jesus did, but I also want you to wrestle with the tension of the heaviness. And it gets you to a place to where you start to look at some things in your life that you say, you know what, I'm gonna stop putting this off and I'm gonna deal with this as Omar comes. I'm gonna stop toying around with whatever it may be that causes distance between God and I and I'm actually gonna deal with it. When I look at this story, this isn't in the notes, it's not on the screen, but when I look at the story and I think about the fact that Jesus knew what he had to do, he was willing to deal with the things that he needed to deal with to pay the ultimate price. And I think there's something that we can learn right there that in our lives there are things that you have to stop staying where you are or in a way sticking back in your quote unquote Galilee and you need to get up and you need to make your walk towards Jerusalem and start dealing with those things that are causing distance between you and God. You gotta get real and you've gotta get honest and you've gotta get open and say, hey, you know what? I, I think I, it's time for me to make Jesus Lord of everything. You know what, when you look at Satan, when you look at Jewish people, when you look at the disciples, all of them wanted Jesus to take an easier way out. But Jesus chose not to. The devil comes and tempts Jesus. Nope, not taking the easy way out. The Jewish people, be the kind of Messiah that we want you to be. He said, nope, didn't come to do that. The disciples, no, no, Jesus, you don't have to go and die. Nope, I actually do. All of them wanted Jesus to take the easier way out. And Jesus said, no, I'm not doing that. Because he knew we'd be here today. So he was willing to pay that price. Isaiah chapter 50. I want you to see this, verse 4. It says, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Watch this. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Look at these words. Because the sovereign Lord, he helps me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. In other words, I'm focused and I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring a charge against me? Let us face each other. 
Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moss will eat them up. Prophesying words of Jesus. He's saying, I'm going forward into Jerusalem to pay the price as you would stand. Told you the message would be a little bit different than usual. I started to think about what the takeaway would be from this story of Palm Sunday. And I think the takeaway for me on Palm Sunday might be for you too is the road as it relates to God's will for my life and the fact that it's not always going to be easy. How many of you guys would say, man, life just has a way of just beating you up every once in a while? Show of hands. You ever have life go really good for like three weeks and then one thing completely derails it? You ever been there before? You ever had life just knock you down out of nowhere? Begin to think about this road and I think some of the truths that stand out is sometimes the journey of life is going to require sacrifice just like it did for Jesus. Sometimes being faithful to your call or what you do is going to mean taking some some risks. Sometimes what you do, especially in going after Jesus, will begin to go against what other people think because they think life is better lived this way. Sometimes you will have to, by God's grace, remain steadfast in the midst of tremendous trial for what could seem like an eternity without turning your back on God. started to think about all the things that you and I have to endure in this world and then the reality hits the reality hits that it's nothing compared to what Christ had to endure you say man Pastor Rich that's kind of a crazy uh, thing right there like you're, you're putting me close to Jesus in this but isn't it funny how when life gets difficult, it becomes bigger? Isn't it funny how when sickness comes across our bodies, relationship issues get elevated, lack of purpose and destiny, life gets confusing, how we can elevate our problems above this man that we call Jesus. And we make these problems bigger. And Jesus the whole time is going, I paid a price for that, I could help. Like, you don't have to deal with that. I can help you. It's an amazing thing. Jesus goes and he ultimately dies. And we'll get to that on Friday. And of course, we'll get to his resurrection on, on Sunday. But he does it all knowing full well what people would do. And friends, I know I've said a lot today. And I know at times it could come across a little hard. But I want us to be in the attitude this week of Jesus looking at a hard situation and still pressing through and dealing with it. Amen.
I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.